I want to thank you. And it's Dude, been a long time coming. Thank you for having me, for having me on. Um, if it's cool with you, we're, we'll talk about you know a bunch of just a bunch of bunch of different stuff. But first the things shit first, out of me, man. No, no, it's not even like that. <laughs> I just want to pick pick your brain about certain things because sure. you know I think you're fucking you're one of the coolest people I know, and so I got to wow. pick your brain. All right. Should we just so, we'll just end it there? That's the soundbite I needed. Thank you, Jeremy. <laughs> all right, I'll send you that clip later. Put it on your story. But yeah. so yeah, this this is all real scary to me. You know, like sure being like record even just like recording yourself even when i'm by myself and recording myself trying to get comfortable in front of a camera or trying to get comfortable recording your voice it's been pretty uh pretty scary for me um but when you look back it's not even that scary thing you know um i wanted to ask you you've done some scary shit um sure in that you 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 grew up somewhere else and mm-hmm. you moved, you moved pretty much, you know, um, you moved out here to LA from, uh, uh, Rhode Island. I did. Yeah. About, Where, uh, almost 11 years ago. Okay. And did you, did you think about that move for a, for a long time? <clears throat> you know, I think that, I think the greatest, uh, at least in my, in my personal experience, I think the greatest. Uh, power I had in that was it was actually a pretty snap decision. Um, I had recently started playing music again in Rhode Island with a guy that I had played music with like years and years before. And the, the beginning conversation was just, will you play on my record? And I really respected the music that he did and him as a person. So I said, absolutely. Like that, you know, this would be, a lot of fun to do great opportunity and whatnot because i was in a band that was kind of on hiatus at the moment and about halfway through making the record which started in like december of 2010 so around like late february early march he was like yeah so i'm gonna move to la in june and i think you should come with me uh he had some contacts out here and some stuff that was brewing and I had never been like west of Texas, and I said, "Sure, let's do it." So I think in my in my experience, if it had been if LA had been like a destination or a dream or something that I was working toward, I think maybe family or other bands or friends or all the stuff that kind of keep you rooted to either where you're from or a place that you've lived for a long time that might have derailed or prolonged the move. But because there was like an intent and a project and like there was something gathering steam, I just was like, all right, I attached myself to this thing quickly. Let's just see this through. And it ended up being like one of the best, I think, one of the best decisions in my life. That was like three months, right? So from December to February and then bam. Yeah, it was just, let's go. So there was no, there was little thinking to do. (laughs) No thinking. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a good quality to have. I wish I had that quality. Cause if I was in your situation, it would have taken me, taken me like, you know, five, 10 years. And I'm sure that happens yeah. to yeah. a bunch of people, you know, just, but so are yeah. you like that with everything else? You got an idea and, and you get an idea or you have a thought and you kind of like, you, you make it happen quickly and, you know, yeah, you know, um, at that point, 
because I was sort of attached to someone else's train in a way, like them moving to LA and there, it was their project. And, you know, it was a band, but really like I was doing a little bit of songwriting, but for the most part, this was like someone else's vision, attaching myself to someone else's sort of, you know, movement was easy at the time. I was young, you know, I was in like my mid twenties. Now, if it's something that I am like leading or I'm, cause a lot of the stuff I do now, like I kind of do a lot of it in house. I'm definitely more methodical, probably more anxiety written, a little bit written, a little bit more um, cerebral about the entire, like the intent and the experience and all those things, whether it's a project or anything. Uh, back then, I think I was just looking to get out of Rhode Island. So it's like, you know, What's going to get me to another place to do some, hopefully some cool things. Um, what part of Rhode Island were you living in at the time? I was and, bouncing between the capital, which is Providence, which uh-huh. I spent a lot of time in post, uh, like in high school and post-college and lived there post-college. And my folks house in uh, Bristol, which is like a little coastal town, because I was trying to save some, some money before the move. Uh, right. Once I knew I was leaving, I was like, I gotta, I gotta figure out a way to have some, some bank before I go across the country. <clears throat> what? Okay. So Providence, mm. is it, is it just full of gems like you people that are like into, you know, music and movies and, and like, you know, that have that creative force. Is that like a hodgepodge for people like that? Or like, I mean, you know, like what was the, uh, what was that music scene like? And because for you to be like, I'm fucking, I'm going to bounce, you know, you were playing a lot in in Providence, weren't you? I was playing a lot. I had been playing a lot in Providence uh, with some different projects over the years. Um, Providence is an interesting city because it's a couple hours away from New York. It's like a little over an hour away from Boston. And there's an Ivy League school there, Brown University. There's a lot of state schools sort of in Providence and in the surrounding areas. And then uh, Rhode Island School of Design, RISD, which is one of the top design schools in the country, is there as well. So you get this mix of youth uh, with a lot of, a lot of sort of idea and, and, and artistic expression and uh, in all different sort of realms. And then you also have this undercurrent of, of blue collar from uh, parts of Massachusetts and, and Rhode Island as well, because uh, Providence is a hub for sort of like Southeastern Mass as well as, as Rhode Island. So there's just a lot of different types of music. I was in metal bands. I was in pop bands. I was in, you know, uh, like pop punk bands, post-metal, like well, all rock-based uh, stuff. So there's a lot of idea and I think a lot of talent in Rhode Island and there there kind of always has been. Uh, When I moved out here, I ended up meeting quite a few hip hop musicians and not to just place them in hip hop, but that's kind of like where um, our convergence was, even though they listen to and work on a lot of different styles of music, Uh, pop hip hop musicians from Providence. And it was funny enough, like I had never, we had never crossed paths. So even in a place that small, there's so much of a diversity of music and thought and, and art that 
it took Los Angeles to connect me with people that I definitely should have known when I was back in Rhode Island. Uh, yeah, there's some gems, man. I mean, I wouldn't put myself up there, you know, that highly, but there, was, there's some, there's some great people. Cause I know you, you listen to a bunch of different music I when do. you came out here and you linked up with the, you know, the hip hop artists from over there. Mm-hmm. Did you, is, was that with like when you first started getting into hip hop or you already kind of like a fan before that? Hip hop was kind of my, you know, other than being exposed to sort of what my parents were listening to in the car, um, which was usually top 40 or AOR or AM or, you know, just what's that? What's, what's AOR? AOR is like that kind of like really relaxing, um, light rock and pop from like this mid seventies to the mid eighties, you know, like, okay. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, 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 it's like album stuff and you know, it's, it's great. It's, I, it's a huge, it's, it's actually had a big resurgence. I would say like artists like, uh, Tame Impala, Unknown Immortal Orchestra, like those dudes would say like AOR influenced kind of song structures and things like that. Um, but my first real love in music, when I started to be able to purchase my own music, uh in the form of cassette singles i'm that old they're uh, coming back was, dude they are was with hip-hop uh i remember the first three singles i got were cypress hills um it was is it insane in the brain is that the name of the song i forget yeah i think, I think so that's the name of the song yep uh let me ride by dre and uh i think which is still a great song freak uh freak like me by adina howard my parents, I didn't, I didn't get censored. Or my parents just let me. They're like, as long as you get good grades, like listen to whatever you want. So really, yeah. that's cool. I was, it was pretty, it was pretty hands off. Yeah, nice. Yeah. What? I was, I was lucky. As a musician, uh, where does that like? Where does that come from? How did you get into that? Like playing instruments and. Funny enough, my first memories of making music. Uh, there was always music in the household. I do not come from a musician family. Uh, no one sort of directly influenced me, but I had some really good friends in the neighborhood and I, I was lucky enough when I was growing up to have a turntable and an audio receiver that also had an A and B cassette. Uh-huh. So the first, my first forays into making music when I was probably eight or nine years old was taking the cassette singles. And if you flip to the B side, it was usually an instrumental. So we would right. put the instrumental in the A and a blank, like 90 minute Memorex in the B. And uh-huh. we would press record. And then we had like two little Radio Shack mics. Uh, you know, you can do it stereo, but basically like one buddy would take one and I would take the other. And we would just riff, like either rapping or trying to come up with a hook or something like that. And we did that quite often uh to uh, those tapes still exist uh they've been confined to uh a safe in my parents house so they will never <laughs> see the light of day um but that we got to get those shipped out we i know we need to, we need to get to Toronto uh so yeah you got to surprise me i do oh let me okay. tell you that's that's going to be your that's going to be your bir- your next milestone birthday that's going to be your present throw those on yeah. that's yeah throw those on yeah just ruin my so life. No, I mean, you know, <laughs> everyone's got to start somewhere and you're doing such cool shit now that, hey. you know, it's only right that we get to listen to those. 
I was going to ask you, do you, um, do you, do you want to perform? Like, do you want to, uh, play drums or do you want to sing? Like, what, do you want to do that? Or are you kind of just like in producer mode? There's definitely a part of my brain that will always gravitate toward live music and wanting to play live music. I think it got into me at a very young age being in bands and playing quite extensively in the East Coast. Uh, I don't think that ever leaves. I think I'm a little bit more, uh, going back to your early question about sort of like, you know, doing things quickly or being a little bit more methodical about them. I think I'm definitely more methodical about it. I'm a lot more involved in the process of uh, the production and wanting, you know, to, depending on the project, have it be really close to the record and sort of just as, as large or make it like, make it raw, like whatever sort of serves the project. But I do want to do that. Um, I think when I was younger, we were racing to write as many songs as we could just so we could play live. Like once we get four or five, right. we get a set, let's go. They'll give us 25 minutes or, or, you know, 20 minutes to open for whoever at this local show. Let's do it. And now I'm very much like uh, coming from that background and, and playing that way for so long. It's I want to play, but I'm much more sort of in my head about it in the process. You've <laughs> you've like you've been on this. You've been working with. um your your producer is it like a partnership it's like you know right uh you guys are called sweet lads we are called um, sweet lads yes how how did you i mean is tim from rhode island tim funny enough is from my hometown okay so i knew him uh, i knew his uh, one of his younger brother his at his younger brother i knew his younger brother growing up um, because we played sports together and Tim was sort of like this dude around town that would play coffee shops and bars and stuff. And he was a singer songwriter and super talented. And we were kind of in two different circles. And, uh, I had met him briefly in Rhode Island. We never really hung out, hung out, but we, we kind of knew of each other and we had some mutual friends. And then he got into, uh, uh, a pretty successful rock band back in, providence and we i'm not i think we might have played a show together but we would we were at each other's shows and stuff like that uh but we really didn't become you know as close as we are now or nor talking about making music together until he started visiting la uh he and my girlfriend are longtime friends and he had a job that would take him out here so he would come and crash with us and uh yeah, as far as Sweet Lads go, I handle most of the production. Um, we write together and all that, but uh, having done this for so long, our sort of motivation is, you know, to get these songs sort of like locked in as quick as possible. And I've just been blessed enough over the past couple of years to be able to to get these things going in a timely manner. Uh, let me let me ask you about that because like sure. every time we hang out, I'm always I'm always bugging you about showing me what you're working on. I feel like I don't really think about it, but like you always show me some new stuff, and it's I always feel like it's great. So 
Thank you. Um, without without even thinking about it, though, it's like, how do you stay creative? Is it always just coming out, or do you go for a walk? You know, to channel like some creativity. Like, how do you, or or do you stay up all night? Are you one of those workers? You know, like uh, at the same time, do you deal with like sitting there not knowing, you know, which way to 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 go as far as like making stuff up? You know, how did, yeah. how, yeah. You know, I, I think it's probably a combination in some ways of all those things. I tend to now, I've started, I started playing guitar a few years ago and a lot of ideas now generate from there where before they would just generate from sort of a beat or an idea that I was just sort of building and then I would, I would play that in my head or I'd take a walk around the neighborhood and headphones and just sort of come up with voice memos for, for like top line and vocal ideas. Uh, you know, I'll be at a restaurant and it's very annoying, but I'll be like, ah, oh, man, I, I just got this idea. So I'll like pop in the men's room for a second, like shut the stall and just like sing into a voice memo on my phone. Mm -hmm. Like, all right, there we go. Like, you know, notate it and, and then, you know, revisit it later. But I found over the past couple of years, especially as I've gotten more into the production and mixing side of things, that if there's not something sort of sitting there that I had been working on, like an idea or a motivation, I have a couple of tricks that, that I'll do to kind of get myself inspired. I'll either watch a mixing video of something that like, I know I could improve on or something I haven't tackled yet, or just something I find interesting. Or another big exercise is I'll pick like five songs that I'm currently obsessed with and I'll narrow it down to one or two. And then I'll just try to recreate a session that has some of those elements or like the general feel of that song, just so I kind of understand how the production's working, why I'm liking the things that I'm liking. And I feel like that really helps to, even if I'm not directly inspired, like the songs just aren't pouring out. I'm at least like moving forward with the process and there's always sort of like shit being worked on. So you mean mixing like, um, like, uh, behind the board, right? Like behind the, yeah. Yeah. Like, and production okay. and mixing, not like DJ kind of mixing. Like, no, no. I mean, someday <laughs> I'm hoping someday, but you know, I, I, I have too many friends that are already so good at that. It's like a little bit, I, I like, I'll, you know, peer over their shoulder in the booth sometimes. I'm like, nah, I think that's, that's a whole, that's a different wiring in the brain, but you no, know, that's really cool. Production, it is cool. Yeah. It's yeah. cool. I feel like mixing and production for me in the beginning were two different steps. Like I create the song I'm working on it, whether it was with the group or, or myself, and then I'd move to the mixing stage. And now I'd say like, over 50% of the mixing is done by the time I'm ready to create the final mix. I'm just kind of doing things as it goes along as you so go. It's weird. Yeah. I think as, as we get older, maybe it's the same for you in a lot of ways or things that, that you do. Like I'm always looking for ways to be efficient, but also ways to like connect things in my brain. So the more things I can get sort of like interlacing, I feel like the product is better rather than I create this thing. And then I get that heaviness in my chest. I'm like, Oh, now's the, now's the mixing stage. And, you know, I have to, yeah. it's like, if I can get that thing almost, you know, completely sounding the way that I want, 
then mixing at that point is just fine tuning and um yeah and thinking about it from a listener's perspective rather than whatever brain i was in when i was coming up with the the song or production cool i gotta ask you uh because i was thinking about it earlier um because i i know you as ryan yes where did where did sir chevy come from Hmm. Uh, when I moved out here, I was in, I was in a pop project called cable car with, uh, a couple LA friends. That's actually one of the people involved in the group was the guy who, who kind of helped me ship my life out here to LA. Uh, and when we were creating our second album is when I started to want to make some music you know, tangentially to the pop I was working on. I wanted to try some different things. And I found myself gravitating. I've been using my name on every single project I had ever done. Uh, usually as a drummer, I, I, you know, I came up through, through music as a drummer, primarily doing a little, little bit of lyric writing and, so, and, and, you know, vocal writing and stuff, but mostly just drumming. And now that I kind of had this other identity, I didn't really feel like that guy as, weird as that might sound i was like all right there's a whole new niche here and a whole different perspective uh and all this possibility especially you know five years before i started producing i'd been making records on tape in rhode island like we've been you know so dealing with computers and interfaces and 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 soft synths and hardware and shit was totally foreign and i was like let's just let me just create an identity and then i can just do everything underneath that I could put anything into the world and it's almost like it's like a cloak. You can, I could put on the, the Sir Chevy or the, the Chevy like mantra and I can be that guy. And then I can just, you know, take the suit off and go and just, you know, be me, which is, is kind of helpful mentally sometimes. Um, oh, yeah. And the name just came from my dad's favorite. My dad's a, a huge gearhead. He loves cars. And growing up, he just had 57 Chevy like uh bel air posters all over our garage um so as a testament to him it just became sir chevy but writing sir just kind of made me seem like a douchebag so i was like if i could just coach it in in, in a different spelling it'll seem less like you know like i'm puffing myself up okay Uh, and it just and i asked hadley and hadley was like yeah it's cool and if she says something's fine it's in like yeah yeah that's it. I mean, that's I wish it was like something the, cooler, but yeah. No, no, no. I mean, really, it's just like that's all it has to be. But yeah. and then once you make it, once you make it a reality, it's kind of like the theme right now is like just make it a reality. Once you make yeah. it a reality, you can do whatever you want. It's kind of like how um, uh, the RZA created Bobby yeah. Digital. Bobby yeah. Digital was like his version of uh, him being able to like do all the crazy shit that you know he could do and exactly. it's not the rizza it's bobby digital but you know it didn't work out he just kind of went off the deep end with bobby digital that he kind of had to yeah. like kind of let that person go but you know obviously sir chevy is the the creative force here the the guy who's not contained to anything you're into like pop music rock music hip-hop Everything. uh yeah you know, metal, you're a big metal head. Big metal. I mean, I'm wearing a metal. Would you say that? So, yeah. Yeah. So. You know what I, you know, what's so messed up about it though, is like, 
I was talking to some buddies the other day about this, uh, which is funny to to just capstone that the the Chevy point. I would say fifty percent of the people that know me in Los Angeles call me Chevy, like or Chev or some iteration. Back home, they would never. I, yeah, I wanted they're, to. They're like, no, fuck that. That that would never happen. It's just not like they could never conceptually. They're like, you're not that dude. And I'm like, I'm. That's fine. Like, you, however you want to think of it. But that same friend group is the group I grew up in. That I, you know, uh, they were the ones that really introduced me to heavy music and got me into it. And I think I had this weird heavy music cutoff point around 2008. Anywhere, but uh, yeah, like 2008, 2009, where I just kind of stopped finding new stuff. So even now, like I consider myself a metalhead or somebody that likes heavy music, but I really listen, other than maybe a handful of bands, I really don't listen to much heavy music made after about 2010 at the latest. Uh, yeah, what is it about? Because I'm, I'm, I mean, I like it. If you play me some heavy music, I'll, I'll I'm right there with you. I'll listen to it. Yeah. I can I can dig it. I don't listen to heavy music just because I don't know. I don't gravitate towards it. But and that's fair. If you, yeah. what do you like about it? You know, I think as I've gotten older, my idea of heavy music has changed. I've listened to things that are more tangentially rock or more experimental, and definitely less less metal as in like straightforward ahead sort of metal presentation. There might be like little mixtures of themes or, or musical context or whatnot. But I feel like once, once death metal bands and black metal bands and, and traditional metal, like once the metal scene started to really uh, use the studio as an instrument as well which has worked great for a lot of other genres i personally started to gravitate away because i started to hear like a homogeny in the sound like a lot of these bands started to just sound very alike and very slick a lot of hyper production um and it kind of took the raw power out of this thing that i love there's still bands that absolutely crush it uh, and there always will be. I think that's that way in every style of music. There's always going to be people who just like get, they figure their sonics out, they figure their songs out, and it just works. And there's others that lean a lot on production and, and whatnot. And I think we all go through it. But yes, just something about it kind of, I, I lost some interest. But there's been a, it's cyclical, you know? So like, like Cult of Luna. Every record they put out, totally on board, unique sonics, great sound. Daughters started kind of in a metal band has become more sort of like experimental rock in the vein of like Jesus Lizard and, and some of the the more sort of like es esoteric stuff from the late 80s, early 90s, uh, as, along with some electronics. So I, I feel like I've gravitated more towards the idea and single projects rather than being like, I like this style of music because it's this style of music, which is definitely the way I was when I was growing up. I listen to metal yeah. and fuck everything else. <laughs> uh. <laughs> if, if, all right. If, uh, if you could suggest, sure. Uh, a, a, a metal album, something that 
that you would take with you on the deserted island, uh, what what album would that be? I've got one. I could pick one. I mean, or or I'm going on the deserted island, and you have to give me one. Which okay. one would it be? Like, yo, check this out. This is this this makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I would have. <clears throat> I would have to split it between three. And the only reason I say that is because I would have to know, I don't want to stick you on an island with a vocal performance <laughs> or vocalist that you can't handle. That you would just drive you crazy. That'd be the torture that... It would, that, be, uh... it would be. But I feel like the musical elements would all, you would, you would you know, gravitate to them or, or find something unique and interesting. The vocals would be okay. tough. So I would pick either... King Diamond's them, because the drumming, I mean, the musical part, I love King Diamond. The vocals are not for everybody, but I've been, I mean, I've been a King Diamond fan since the mid to late 90s. Uh, Iron Maiden's Somewhere in Time, excuse me, or uh, Cult, of Luna, Cult of Luna's Eternal Kingdom. One of those three, uh, if you decide you want like super crazy falsetto vocals, operatic 80s metal vocals or a dude screaming his head off you know pick your poison basically nice i'm gonna check those out i need to expand my shit i'm always trying to listen to new stuff so you know me too and it's great a lot of great you give me a lot of great uh suggestions with stuff that have that always blow my mind so i appreciate that as well uh thank you um let me ask you this because i think you're you you know you got your head on your shoulders, you know, you're a smart Try dude. Let me, let me ask you this. Like I've noticed that everyone's putting music out like a little bit at a time, one sure. song, wait like six weeks, maybe even longer. Another song. No one's really doing the album thing. Every, it's mm -hmm. more of like EP and like delayed re releases. Music's always changed. It's been changing since, you know, we became since like, you know, early classical to now. I mean, it's gone through like, I don't know, probably the most change out of um, out of everything, you know, and it's and it's still changing. Uh, how do you how, like how do you feel about that? Are you just kind of rolling with the punches or as an artist, you're kind of just like my job is just to create and kind of like, you know, put my stuff out. Or do you, do you kind of think about that when you're making music or, or, you know what I mean? How do you feel about that? You know, I definitely appreciate albums. Uh, I'm still someone that will, as I know you are as well, <clears throat> I'll play a vinyl album front to back. Uh, a lot of times I'll take a few hours. I, I listen to at least a few hours of music daily. Uh, and a lot of times that will be album based, sometimes stuff that I love, sometimes trying something different. I feel like, you know, going back to sort of the, the quick point I made about technology sort of changing, especially as, especially my first few years in LA, with sort of the rise of bedroom studios and, and you know, being able to, to create something so in depth from a laptop or a computer with minimal gear. Uh, I don't necessarily know if that was like the mental intent or, or, or was intentional with artistry 
going to a more singular format. I'm sure it was something industry based. But I, th I think there's there's this weird flow where for an industry, it's less expensive to push a single and give it a little bit more life uh, during a smaller cycle rather than the way it was back in the day. It was like you had a hit song and that shit was in the radio sometimes for years, you know, and, yeah. and it still happens. I think a, a little less frequency, but it still happens. Um, and then also the fact that like budgets got smaller and people were making music from their homes, which put less money into maybe making an album or less on the line uh, in a risk sense for making an album. But it also allowed artists to be a lot more precious with their songs because it wasn't like you were demoing, like if you were lucky enough to have a four track or a little demo recorder or something in your home and you're working on this stuff. If you're just in a practice facility you know, for months or or, or a year or, or however long working on these songs and then you get into the studio, you have a very concise amount of time and a high level of execution that you need to complete to get this project done. Uh, so with an album sense, if you're going to be spending this money, it is cheaper to block out a studio for 10 days and make an album. And then, you know, either have it mixed there or, or however that cycle can, can play out versus I'm going to go do a single over two days and then next month I'm going to go back and do more. Like that gets real expensive. So I think it'll, with the, with the budgets becoming smaller for, for all artists and the level of time that you can spend on one song, because it's right in front of you, if you're working at home or however the steps are working, uh, I think production became more intricate and experimental uh, across the board. People have been experimenting forever, but I think it became more expensive in that sense. Uh, and people are just, I think they're more precious about the initial product and then ready to move on to the next. So Spotify and Apple Music and streaming services obviously came into this. Kids that are 10 years younger than us uh, and then, you know, 20 years younger than me, maybe they listen to more music than I ever listened to. You know, when we were growing up, you know, I had enough money for maybe one CD every week or every couple of weeks, you know, with allowance yeah. or having a job or whatnot. So like I had a, you know, I had a hundred CDs maybe when I left for college and other than listening to radio, that was the cycle. I mean, you could, don't, kids now listen to more varied music in one day than I was able to listen to in one month. So yeah, there's just so many factors that are from the listener perspective and from the artist perspective, I think are, are making singles or short, like short form records like EPs or, or three song demos or, or even just an AV. A, a good friend of mine, basically now he puts out a single and a B side every single time, which I love. That's like the old school way. But, yeah. uh, yeah, I just I think from both perspectives it started to make sense. So when you have a real confluence between the people making the product and the people, you know, commercially buying the product, if they're both sort of in the same wavelength, I think it just makes sense. I I love albums. I'll never say I don't love albums. No, yeah. But uh I think there are some artists that wholly benefit from it, and I think there are a lot of there's people just making so much music now that 
there's less risk involved. And, you know, if you, if you go one way and then three songs down the line, three singles in, you try something different and your listenership goes up by like, you know, a thousand percent, you're going to go, Oh, let me take this new lane. You know, I'm not going to, you know, thank God I didn't write 10 fucking songs like this that nobody cared about. I put one out like this and yeah. everyone was like, it, it, to give like a super short anecdote. I remember a producer who worked with Kesha, who I won't name because he's kind of, kind of uh, got a, uh, a checkered past at this point. I okay. was talking about how she got a, she sent him a, a demo CD, I think to her mom or something. Somehow it got to him through, through a label or whatnot. And he's like, the first three songs were these like hackneyed, country crossover stuff or, or weird pop songs and he's like and the, the last two were like clearly something she was fucking around on in her bedroom and they were like weird hip-hop hybrid pop stuff that was just all over the place and he's like uh -huh. that's what i wanted i didn't want the polished i wanted the, the thing that i didn't think anybody had heard of yet so yep. i think that's another thing that plays in is when you're making singles you can keep taking left or right turns some of them slight, some of them hard, and if it works, you get a lane, and now you can you can go nuts. That's interesting. That's a good point because you don't want to get stuck doing the same stuff over and over. So sure. that could work out for you, you know, if you do it that way. Huh? Interesting point of view there. Mm -hmm. Um, and just yeah. like crank out different stuff, and you do that, so you do have that quality of of putting out songs that, you know, one is completely different than the other. And that's just, uh, you know, I don't know. I see it as someone who is a, a true artist, someone who's, uh, you know, you can't like when you start putting out the same stuff, it's like, you know, who are you a robot or something? You know, I want to hear, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. um, okay. Um, I don't want to take up more of your time. Again, thank you for doing this. Of course, man. The name, the name of, the name of this show is called Drummers Untitled, and yes. what it, what that means is like you know we we just talk about random stuff, but it also has a, a a central theme of you know being a musician, drummers, sure. Which you know drums are one of the most important things of a track. You know, uh, you know if you don't have the drums down, uh, you know stuff. It just you know. It, it could work it's out. It's a little, yeah. yeah. So before I let you go, let me, sure. let me pick your brain about drums and yeah. how important, how important they are to your tracks. Um, you know, do you, do you go through when you're creating stuff? Do you go through just like a, you know, the snare sound for an hour? What's the most important thing as far as like laying down a solid drum track for you? That's a, that's a great question. So I, I started drumming when I was 13. Uh, not, not because I wanted to, but because all my other friends had already been playing guitar and bass and they were so far along already that I was like, I'll never catch up. So my dad bought me like a drum kit from a guy he worked with who was a drummer. And I, you know, messed around, tried to figure out parts of songs that I loved and tried to go as fast as I possibly could, both learning and playing. Uh, and then I started taking lessons about a, a year and a half into that. And I'm super fortunate 
that I went to a traditional pop and, and, and rock and jazz drummer for my lessons. If I had gone to like a metal drummer or uh, someone who was totally aligned with the music that I loved at the time, I think I would have probably been pretty one note in the way that I approached it. Uh, but like, you know, I was playing when all my buddies who were going for drum lessons were playing like Metallica and trying to play Slayer songs. I was, I was playing, you know, I was playing Run and Down Dream. I was playing like Stan Lynch and I was playing uh, Dave Garibaldi and uh, I was playing the Prince, Prince tracks. Like I, I came from this and I would bring that stuff into the music. So like we were never the fastest or crazy technical band, but like, we had a groove and we had a, a pocket and different, different elements of drumming that like, I'm so glad that, that I found this dude when I was, when I was that age, because he, he kind of helped me approach things more from a songwriting perspective than just a, a musical or a technical perspective. And I feel like I, I, I kind of bring that brain to it now where certainly when I first started producing, I was lucky enough to, to, be uh, exposed to a lot of different software and programs and whatnot from working in the studio and the projects I was doing with other producers who then would give me sound banks and I would spend hours cycling through snares and kicks like what's the perfect one, what's the perfect one. And now when I get new software or even stuff that I've had for a long time, I've created my own kits. I've taken the hours of time to, uh, you know, exhibit different sounds and audition different things. So when I go to a track now, I probably use about two dozen different kits, like actual drum kits. And then I have about, <clears throat> I don't know, about a dozen or so classic drum machines. And then I have some stuff that's just like really experimental or I'll make it myself. Like I've got some, some sense here that I can create kicks and snares with. So I find now, uh, especially coming from a, the melodic standpoint first, like usually coming up with some sort of melodic movement and kind of already having the beat in my head, I kind of audition what I want the drums to sound like in my head. And then I'm picking through a much scaled down bank of sounds trying to get as close to the sound that's in my head as possible. Instead of being like, what's going to sound cool? I kind of already know what I want. And now it's just a matter of like matching that to the shit yeah. that I have. Yeah. Uh, and that just comes with a lot of patience. Um, I would recommend to anyone who, who is using software, whether you're a beginner or super experienced, is like when you get a new toy, just like run that shit into the ground. Like learn everything you can about it. And that thing will start to speak to you with whatever elements you're going to like about it. Because if I just approached every instrument that I have with an open mind every time, I'd never get anything done. Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm watching music theory videos. Nice. I don't really know the purpose of why I do it. I just like, oh, I, I should look up music theory videos just to see yeah. what I can learn from it. But I, I, I want to learn a different instrument just because I feel like it'll help my drumming. Everything's always just like, how can it help my drumming? And I, I like wish that. I could, I like that. you know, I wish I could learn to play the guitar. I mean, I play chords and stuff, Yeah. but it's always like, 
oh, this is going to help my drumming somehow. I don't know how, but if I learn this easy Beatles song, it's going to help my drumming. Um, well, and I found that when I started playing, I mean, I played a little, I always was around guitars because I was always in metal bands and shit, but like my relationship with guitar was basically like, I don't like that thing. It, it, it terrifies me. Yeah. Um, I'm polyrhythmic. You know, I feel like all drummers, especially people who just kind of feel that have separation of limbs, but like I get, I don't have super huge hands. So the guitar is always like, man, this is just a pain in the ass. And as I played more guitar, what I found is a trick kind of going to your point of like always wanting to, it always goes back to how does, how does this improve my drumming? I found as I became more musically inclined to the melodic elements, I started to notice in songs that I loved, which I always kind of like tried to be aware of, but didn't really know how to execute sometimes, is what is the relationship between the percussion and drums and the melodic elements and why does it work? And if you start to kind of have those two brains of like, Oh, if I write this guitar part in this way and phrase things this way, um, then that allows space here for this or drumming wise. If I create this sort of palette that allows for space for this, like whether it's syncopated or whether, you know, it's melodic elements that have counter melody, or maybe the drums are super linear, or maybe they need to be more, you know, uh, all over the place and kind of carry the track. So I find that as I've gotten to be a better melodic instrument, uh, instrumental musician and producer, it really has made my drumming more uh, impactful and filled with intent because there's like, a goal like I love put me at a kit I'm like you put me at a kit and I'll you know fuck around for hours but yeah. there is a satisfaction to listening to records that have great drums and understanding why they're great in a drumming perspective and why they're great in serving a song perspective and it's it's so uh rewarding when you finish a song where you feel like you've hit both of those things like the drums are interesting and they're great and they sound great and the sonics are great, but they also serve the song to where if someone listens to it who doesn't give a fuck about drums, the drums are doing what they need to do to make that person enjoy the song. And if it's someone who loves drums, hopefully they love it too. Right. Cool, man. You, you've shared a lot of cool th points of view, things that make you special. And yeah. Okay, before we before we 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 land this, sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a couple of questions and then you know. Hey, give me give I, me. You got round, you got baby. shit to do. I don't want to keep you here any longer. This is already going a little longer than I wanted to. So thank sure, you for man, your time I talk, again. I can talk music with you all day, man. No 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 worries. So two things real quick. Sure. Um, if you weren't into music, if you weren't like it didn't exist. What do you think you'd be like passionate about? What do you think you would be like having your time consumed by? I think I would probably write. Uh, I would probably write short form stories and short poetry. Or okay. I would go, you know, <clears throat> it's interesting. The second thing kind of is a bit of a cheat because I feel like I enjoy it now because my brain is rewired 
having to become a little bit more engineering from doing audio engineering and, and mixing and whatnot. But I think I would like try to own like an HVAC company or something. I find like, what is that? Is that like, so like, uh, like heat, heating and cooling systems? Yeah. Like, that's what especially I thought. for commercial buildings. <laughs> yeah. I just find that. Why? So I just find it. So, um, you want to see your name on a van? Yeah, that's it. Basically. Yeah. My name and <laughs> in a, in a, my cell phone number and like some weird picture. What uh, is it? Be, is it because like, you're like, the wiring and stuff or like there's an engineering element to it but right. i ran uh you know I, I i ran a restaurant in in la for a few years and we actually we opened a, a second location at one point and i had to be super hands-on with a lot of the the elements you know the building was existing it was it wasn't a full build that was a takeover but we needed to redo a lot of the hvac system so I spent a lot of time with some of the techs and I just found it fascinating, like air balance in a room to make sure you can open the door. Or it doesn't like slam. And what? Uh, especially in, in like really? commercial buildings. Yeah. It's really, I just found that stuff so fascinating. I had I mean, no it clue. Might be, it might be super boring. Uh, to some. No, I didn't even I know that was a thing. It. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's not only scientific, but it's, but it's a real interesting method when you think about like uh engineering sense and civil engineering sense and especially not to be you know fucking debbie downer but as the world gets hotter and initially gets cooler uh hvac systems are going to be a really indelible part of human life so i feel like ways and and the other thing to address that you know not to get on a perch but like i feel like i'd be looking for the greenest ways the most environmentally sound ways to kind of approach these problems and I just find trades and things like that to be really interesting. I didn't grow up in that world. My parents both had relatively normal jobs. My dad's a visual artist. My mom's a teacher. Um, but I just found as I got older, especially getting into music and, and trying to understand um, sound pathways and signal flow and all these different things of how music is made. It, you know, when I walk into a building now, I'm like, oh, like, this was necessary for this to happen. And this is how the, uh, the electric is, was run. And this is how, um, especially in a restaurant, like how all the cat six or cat five cables are run to make the internet work and all your points of sale and stuff. So when I, yeah, it, but something about HVAC just really captured me that the HVAC tech that, that helped balance the room in the, the restaurant that we were old, that we were opening was a real charismatic guy. Uh, and picking that guy's brain was just like, was probably as interesting if I got to pick the brain of like my favorite drummer. Like I was just yeah. like, wow, man, like you, I mean, this dude's worked in HVAC and like thousands of buildings. And I'm like, I can't imagine yeah. waking up every day, going into a location and being like, all right, what's the shit show that I need to, to fix today? And uh, I, you know, I give it a lot of credit. So shout out HVAC. Yeah. Great job. That's guys. crazy. And, and, and nice. Not guys, girls, everybody, whatever. Anyone working in HVAC. Congratulations. I would have never thought. I would have never guessed that, man. Yeah. There you go. Surprising me. Happen, it might show hey, Who knows? You got me thinking. Let's open an HVAC company. All right. Hey, okay, real quick. Sure. Let me get let me get your favorite. This is this is almost like uh rapid fire. Sure. All right. Let me get let me get a book that you recommend to people that that uh, Guns, Germs, and Steel by Jared Diamond. Okay. 
I'll write that down later. Uh, documentary. Um, my silent my Scientology movie by Louis Thoreau. It's really funny. No shit. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Um, and song. What's I know you're listening to a song right now that's probably amazing. You always got them in your playlist, so give me a song. Uh, hold on. I just want to make sure I don't butcher butcher her name, because um, I've been known to do that at times. The the lips move faster than the brain does. Luckily, I got my phone right here. Uh, Too Sweet by India Sean, featuring Unknown Mortal Orchestra. It's produced by... DeMille, oh man, what a banger. There you go. All right, Ryan, I want to thank you again. Appreciate Sir Chevy, you. I want to thank you for uh, putting out. Your, oh, uh, also, Sweet Lads, here we come. Oh, yes. Uh, you got a song home. out right now? Take yeah. Me Home, my bad, my bad. That's okay. Um, no, here we come with Take Me Home. Yes. <laughs> and, um, that's going great, right? People are how are people receiving that? Honestly, the the reception's been fantastic. Uh, we had put out our first song just as like a, a fun little exercise, this song called In the Ground, and people seem to gravitate toward it. So we came out with Take Me Home. The reception's been great. It features a good friend of ours, a friend of yours, uh yeah. Battles. And we're currently, you know, in the midst of finishing up song three right now and hopefully putting together some sort of live show for the early early next year so you'll really? probably you'll probably get a call uh i would imagine no shit um yep i'm retiring from the drum kit so like <laughs> we'll we'll make it work but hey. yeah uh sweet lads it's been it's been going really well i appreciate the plug <clears throat> no yeah i mean anything you do i'm a i'm a groupie so keep Stop. doing what you're doing Thanks. uh i'm sure we'll hang out soon let's make yeah. that happen um yeah so dude this has been great uh you know kicking off my uh my show congratulations i wouldn't want to do it with anyone else really and uh i hope that you know we can do this again anytime we could talk about you know whatever but um so yeah keep doing what you're doing i appreciate it i'm listening i support it um other than that Thanks for doing this. And um, yeah, let's hang out soon and, uh, you know, keep doing what we're doing. Thanks, man. Yeah, man. Congrats. Congrats on Drummers Entitled. Uh, thanks so much for having me, man. Anytime, Jeff.